Reading now from the Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into it. Many rich people came and put large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Reverend Cattenhead and I would like to let the record reflect that Reverend Junis is wearing a long robe today. She's seated in a prominent place in the sanctuary. She will be praying a long prayer after the sermon. I don't know. It doesn't look good for her. (laughs) Let the record also reflect that Reverend Junis does not devour widows' houses. Termites do that. In fact, that's a great analogy for what too often happens, like termites whose devious work goes unnoticed for too long, sometimes until it's too late. There are exploitative people who present impressive facades, have the appearance of doing what is good and right in the name of the Lord, all while acting in ways that do great damage to the foundation of people's faith. God save us from such termites. And God save us from becoming such termites. You should be glad that I prayed that prayer this day. How easy in November as we're looking for strong contributions to finish the year and as we're asking you to imagine what it is you will give in the year to come. Would it be for me to point to that dear, sweet, Widow, picture your grandmother putting in all that she had for Jesus' sake. Don't you want to be like her? I hope you have or had a dear, sweet grandmother who was faithful and generous with her church and that you are aspiring to be like her. Be like that. I don't, however, want you to aspire to be like the poor widow in today's story. Don't get me wrong, her faith is worth aspiring to. Her public protest is worth aspiring to. I just don't want you to be in her situation. To be someone whose home, whose security, has been devoured by the very people who should have been protecting it. I don't want you to be someone whose last two coins are contributed while you're still alive. 
If it startles you to think of the widow as acting in public performance of protest that day when she tossed in her two coins, let's consider the story again. Jesus had just lamented that the scribes were benefiting by those who gave more than they should. That the scribes had built this grand apparatus by telling people to give far beyond what they themselves were willing to give. You must sacrifice, they were good at saying. No doubt with plenty of scripture to back them up. You must sacrifice. Somehow missing that a word from the Lord for a congregation also includes the leaders of the congregation. The widow knew differently. She knew what it is to be part of a congregation. She knew that her sacrifice was to help someone through his difficult time and someone else's sacrifice was to help her through hers. As a widow without the security of a husband, and we can presume children, she knew all too well that we need each other. Part of trusting God is trusting God to work through God's people. The widow's protest was that the leaders of God's people were quick to demand contributions, slow to bring their own, and participating in, if not encouraging, a system where the many fed the few and all too many were left hungry. So there she stood with a decision to make. She had two coins. You know it as the widow's might. Today we're told in the story it was worth about a penny. Might be up to a dollar in today's money. No matter how we parse it, it wasn't much. It would not take her far. She had two coins. And with them, like the widow of Zarephath, could buy a day's worth of meal, make some bread, and prepare to die. Or, she could toss those coins in a bowl and hope that they would resound, catch someone's attention. She threw in her coins. I wonder who the widow hoped would hear the sound of her coins when they hit the bowl. I I doubt it was the people who knowingly, eagerly devour widows' houses. She probably had little hope for them. God would need to deal with them in some other way. It's more likely, it seems to me, that she hoped that those who recognize that taking advantage of widows' trust and and devotion is despicable, a clear violation of God's law and basic morals, that they would be the ones to hear the sound of her coins. Those who would never devour widows' houses knowingly, intentionally, but who had slowly, imperceptibly, become deaf to the vulnerable among them. Not totally deaf. More like hearing impaired. Their impairment began when they recognized the need and they went to respond to it, to help someone out. They poured themselves in, gave what they could to make this 
life better. And they saw progress. Progress to the point that the person they went to help got off that list of those who needed help. And, and they came home feeling good until they realized that the list of those needing help grew while they were out helping that one they helped. Ugh. And weariness began to set in. And despondency. Some hearing loss. Now men can tell you that not all hearing loss is bad. As soon as it's believable that a certain amount of hearing loss has occurred, then there's the opportunity to not hear whatever it is that you don't want to hear. Men have figured that out. I'm working on it. I'm learning from my niece of all people. She has cochlear implants, which means she can hear pretty well when those devices are connected to her head. But when they're out, she hears nothing at all. Sometimes her younger brothers are rowdy and she wants some peace and she just takes those things out. Her parents will give her some instructions she doesn't want to hear and she takes those things out. It's fun to watch since she's not our child. When it comes to others' needs, there's hearing loss that creeps in from weariness. Compassion fatigue, it's called. And there's a willful deafness that comes from not wanting to deal with another needy situation. From what I can tell, it's partly out of self-preservation. Partly out of selfishness. It's partly out of self-discipline. That we, without ever meaning to, hear fewer cries of the needy. Was it us? Or people like us that that widow hoped would hear the coins hit that bowl and... And wake up. Notice. Someone did notice that day. He always does. And because he did, we're talking about the widow today. 2,000 years later, her witness has resounded all the way to us. To us in churches where cash and Checks and digital contributions make their way quietly into the treasury. We hear her tiny coins today. And what do they say to us? As we tune back in, what do we hear? I hear judgment on those who would enrich themselves on the backs of the poor and the most vulnerable among us. And I hear a reminder that God has designed communities of faith in such a way that we are to take care of one another, whether through a casserole or a visit or home repair or other gifts. I hear encouragement to keep 
caring for the most vulnerable through ongoing support of ministries such as the Graham Shelter, the Bread Brigade, Snack, Lighthouse Ministries, Thanksgiving Meals for the Hospice Families, the Manor House, Help for Kids, and more. And the ongoing care for the elders of our community through fellowship groups like the Shepherd's Center, Lunch and Learn, the Thursday Prayer Service, and others. I hear something else. I hear in Jesus noticing that widow, one of many who would have been in the temple that day, a reminder that we should do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. I heard a pastor give that teaching one day, and it's been a source of liberation for me since. I continue to struggle with wanting complete equity in all facets of life. I grew up with parents who made Christmas equal down to the dollar. I'll still get checks for small amounts in the mail into my adulthood because they gave my sister something and they wanted to make sure it was even. I grew up with that as kind of my home culture and that that ethic has made its way into my character. And so I'll go out to the manor and I'll want to visit them all because I feel bad about only visiting a few, an impossible task. I want to visit all of our grieving persons if I make time to visit one of them. I want to buy a meal for every hungry person if I bought one for one. I can't do all those things. So the liberation is to realize that it's okay, but I should still do something. Do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. If we all adopted that, I think the math would work out pretty well. There are more people who come in here on a Sunday with more than a dollar to their name than those with less. There are people who can share a meal or, or support an assistance ministry, more of those than those who cannot. There are more people who can take the time to send a card or, or make a call or stop by a lonely person's house. Not every lonely person's house, a lonely person's house, then there are those who can't do that. The sound echoing through time, from that widow's coins to my hopefully unclogging ears, is to do for one. One for whom God has great concern because of her need and vulnerability. What I wish I could do for everyone. If we listen, the widow's resounding coins, a representation of her life, may well inspire ours. To God be the glory.